first episode of my second season of Awakened Parenting. I'm your host, Jill McPherson, parenting consultant, mother of four, and teacher, here to answer your parenting questions. I hope you all had an enjoyable and restful summer. And even though some of us have enjoyed some recent holiday time, parenting never takes a holiday. Even parents with adult children will agree the learning never stops if you want to maintain a positive and healthy relationship with your children, no matter what their ages and stages in life. The topic of today's show came to me through a tragic event that occurred in London, Ontario, in Canada. On June 6th of this year, a man driving a pickup truck ran down a family of five pedestrians, killing four of them. Police later reported that the man chose his victims because they were Muslim. What would possess a man to do such a thing? Why does Islamophobia even exist? And how is it that some religious groups are victims of hate crimes? And what can we do about it? Most importantly, what has this got to do with parenting? Well, be sure to stay tuned as I tackle these questions and more with my guest and Director of Encounter World Religions, Brian Kawana, on this episode of Awakened Parenting. Shortly after the Muslim attack in London, Ontario, two prayer events were hosted by Muslim communities in my area. I attended both of them. At one of the events, local politicians were in attendance offering their condolences and thoughts about what happened and how we need to make changes moving forward. One politician even went as far as to suggest that more religious education needs to occur within the schools to help decrease ignorance, misconceptions, hate, and fear towards various religious groups. As a parent, teacher, and a spiritual director, I greatly agreed and appreciated the politicians' suggestions. I can strongly say that once I became more educated in world religions, especially once I started attending various ceremonies and rituals in synagogue, at a gudara, in temples, and various churches, I noticed how quickly my fear and misconceptions were lifted. It was like a veil of ignorance was removed from my vision. I noticed what peace becoming educated about religions brought me and how quickly the stranger became a friend when I was willing to listen to stories and beliefs, even when they were not in alignment with my own. One of the most profound ways I came to better understand world religions and truly experience their ritual ceremonies and prayers was all thanks to my guest today, Brian Kawana helping organizations and their staff open the door to meaningful conversations and build those crucial relationships with authenticity and sensitivity. Brian offers religious education in many forms. One way is his week-long encounter event where participants learn about and experience 11 world religions in seven days. It's intense and it's phenomenal. I first attended this week's events in 2014. It was so incredible that I attended the week again in 2017. I'm so grateful to have Brian here today so we can discuss ways to promote religious education in our schools and perhaps in our homes as well in hopes of not only reducing violent incidents like what we see on the news 
but also some of those negative day-to-day -day interactions we have with one another within our own communities. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for having me. So I want to focus right in on the initial reason I reached out to you to join me today. There's this horrific hate crime committed in London, Ontario. Four of five family members are killed. The news is all over every form of media. People are horrified, saddened, and confused. And some people are wondering what we can do. And unfortunately, this is not new in Canada. In the last few years, there have been other reports of hate crime, particularly towards Muslims. And unfortunately, this was not the last report of a hate crime towards Muslims. In June, I, when I attended that prayer event, I heard the suggestion of religious education in school. And I know for many parents, this could open up a religious can of worms, so to speak. And this would not be necessarily an easy idea, but uh, any uh, great ideas would be, would be great. So we need to start somewhere. So what are your thoughts, Brian? Um, is religious education in schools a good idea? And if so, you know, what would you suggest? Yeah, uh, the key is, I think, I mean, uh, is to frame it around religious literacy. Uh, so, because religious education can mean a series of things, and some of them really would be inappropriate. I know some of your viewers would say, look, I don't want my kid going to school and being, you know, sometimes the word indoctrinated would come up, you know, in this or that religion. And truly, uh, that's a valid, uh, valid concern, right? We should not be taking kids in a public school system and telling them to join this religion or that religion, or even that they should or should not be religious. Um, and that's why instead what we talk about is religious literacy. So religious literacy is what it sounds like. It's being literate about a topic, being knowledgeable. Uh, so, you know, you would teach about like, what is Islam? Why might a, a classmate of yours be wearing a turban or why, why might their dad be wearing a turban? Just so that you're literate. Uh, and the idea of religious literacy is that, you know, when we don't know anything about a topic, when we are, um, and we all know the feeling of not knowing something, right, of, of feeling ignorant, um, it, it's uncomfortable for us. We don't like feeling like I know nothing about that. And into that discomfort often comes fear. You know, when there's something that we don't know anything about, uh, we are, you know, kind of evolutionarily uh, you know, many, many commentators have said that, you know, evolution primed us to be afraid, because if you're afraid of what's in the dark, um, sometimes it saves you, whereas if you're very calm and comfortable with it, sometimes that costs you your life, right? From an evolutionary perspective, there was a lot less cost to being overly afraid. Um, but that kind of wiring, and, and we still have that wiring, there's all sorts of studies that show that if you give somebody four pieces of good news, and one piece of bad news, they'll remember the bad <laughs> news. If you give them right five positive comments, you know, feedback and too bad, they'll remember the bad. We're, we're wired this way. We, you know, we're wired for kind of this negativity a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And so into that fear, into that black box, we tend to get afraid. And so religious literacy doesn't aim to convert anyone to this religion or that religion. It doesn't aim to convert them out of a religion. It just aims to say, let's shine a light so that we know uh, we are, have knowledge and with knowledge comes comfort and familiarity and comes belonging, by the way, for those people who um, often belong to religious minorities, you know, people they feel understood and seen. Uh, so I definitely think that religious literacy um, is needed in our schools. I actually think it's a national imperative. It is, a, I almost think it's a bit of a risk to our national, to our democracy and to our well-being that we don't have it. Yeah, that's great. So, um... So you see it as 
like a topic that would be put within the curriculum itself, just religious literacy. Yeah, that's right. And you would do it at an age appropriate level, right? So when kids are in grade three or four, maybe Diwali comes up, uh, the Hindu holiday, and you just spend a little time, you know, in some kind of art or craft or whatever, the teacher talks for 10 minutes about what Diwali is, and you, it's a festival of lights, and the kid learns a little bit about that. And it's worked into a craft or something like that. Um, or story time, maybe it's just, you know, story time that day is reading about, you know, young Kumar and what his family's doing for Diwali. That's it, right? Nothing, nothing heavy handed, just, oh, this is how this kid experiences this holiday. And the kid learns terminology, they learn Hindu, and they learn Diwali festival of lights, right? And as they get older, um, you would do more. And the Catholic school system in Ontario is quite excellent at this, because in grade 11, uh, they actually have a world religions course that is um, undertaken by all the students. And I don't know if that's what we would do necessarily, but um, you can take it as an elective in the public school system at some schools, but I would say a minority of public schools have it as an elective. Um, and uh, yeah, but I do think, you know, once you get into grade seven and eight and stuff, yeah, you do want, um, you know, think, I mean, we sort of understand that in our society, you need some basic education around history to be a citizen, right? You need some basic right. education around um, civics so that you understand how the polit political system works in government. You need some basic education around, you know, um, English and math and stuff like that. And in the same way, I would say, especially in this country, in this day and age, um, you need to have some basic literacy around the people that share your office space, uh, the people that live in your street, um, and the people who are going to become your kids' friends, and sometimes their their eventual spouse and your your future in laws, um, and we're as I say we're failing down on this, and there are reasons why Canada in particular it, it's an imperative uh, that this country in particular it's really imperative that we get better at this. So I really like your suggestions, Brian, and what you refer to there at the um, suggestions for the younger children in particular that does lightly touch on, I know what's happening in our school. And I think I can say that it's happening more and more in schools, particularly schools where the um, population is um, multicultural. And so for instance, in the school where I teach, um, that does happen where there's a, a school-wide recognition of different um, holidays throughout the calendar year. And, um, but unfortunately, because anything that's not in the curriculum, becomes optional for both schools and teachers and so um, I, I really think that uh, I, I agree with you it needs to be in the curriculum to some degree perhaps under social studies um, where there's a specific unit um, where each grade is exposed to something around uh, religious um, literacy and I really like that term religious literacy. Uh, Brian what do you see as the greatest challenge for our our government to implement into the public education system something around religious diversity with uh, all, you know, all your experience of speaking to various groups. What, what do you think might be our greatest challenge? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is you're gonna have to make the case, right? Because a lot of Canadians um, remember a time of being kind of religion being promoted in the schools. And so now there is this, um, you know, there's an opposition to that, which again, and I think I, I think there's val validity to that opposition. Uh, but I, I and I think the language of religious literacy is part of that framing, right? Is that 
you have to start saying to people, um, you know, look, we live in a, in a pluralistic democratic country. Many people don't know this. Canada is more religiously diverse in many ways than the States or Great Britain. Like if you look at the percent of Muslims in Canada versus uh, the States or Great Britain, the percent of Hindus, the percent Buddhists, uh, the percent Sikhs, or we often say in English Sikhs, um, we have higher percentages of these populations than uh, both of these other countries that we also consider to be sort of, you know, fairly diverse democracies. Um, and that the case to make is to say, look, you know, if we're going to live together peace of, peaceably, we, we really are looking at in the future, you know, one of the most religiously diverse societies on earth. Um, it's not helpful to have this kind of sense of, um, of not knowing and with it sometimes a kind of suspicion or distrust. And that it's important that our kids grow up understanding each other so they can form friendships across religious boundaries. They're comfortable with one another. They feel like they understand one another. That allows them to you know, be harmoni more harmonious neighbors, roommates, to work together more harmonious, to be trust. We all want to trust our neighbors, to trust the people on our street, to trust the people at our work. And knowing each other better facilitates that. And that's what this is about. It's about having a country where uh, you know, what is Canada? We are not united on ethnicity. We're not like a nation of, you know, Serbs or uh, Chinese people. Uh, you know, we're, we're not even united really on language. We have two languages. Um, so what unites us? And the unites us has to be, you know, we have to create uh, unity across difference. And, and the way you do that is by facilitating understanding and connection. And I think religious literacy is just part and parcel of it. And um, if we don't do it, you know, the other part of the sale is if we don't do it, what you risk is a country that gets balkanized, that increasingly people feel more comfortable with people, you know, quote unquote, like them. And we, you know, there's kind of some level of, there'll always be some working across boundaries, but higher levels of distrust. And in the long run, that, that's, you know, that's just not a good recipe for a democracy. Um, so I think, you know, we're entering a new experiment. Canada in 2021 does not look like Canada in 1971. And in Canada, 2041 is gonna look different again. It is getting more and more diverse in the way we look and uh, we need to embrace that. And the way to do it is to say, let's learn about each other so that we, we have better understanding. Wow, that's, that's great. I, I love your perspective. You know, create unity across differences. That's, that's imperative. Experience yourself as a religious edu educator where you've seen the, the results, you know, in, in your different, um, I know you've, you go into, you know, workplaces and even in, in schools as guests, but have you had those moments where you could see your offering religious literacy and information like this has made changes in various locations where you've, where you've offered this information? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been doing work in the schools for two decades and uh, so one of the things I do with high school students is I often take them on a house of worship tour. So we'll go visit three places in the day. We'll go into a, maybe a Hindu temple and maybe a synagogue and maybe a mosque, for example. Um, and we enter into spaces. And I do this with adults as well, honestly. Um, it is astonishing, actually, what a difference it makes to people to just once just once have walked into the building and met somebody there and shared a samosa and heard them talk. Um, because it's that black box again, right? Like sometimes 
uh, sometimes I take people into a building that they've, you know, they've walked past or driven past many, many times. They never knew what was in there. When you don't know what's in there, you know, again, mm-hmm. what goes on in that mosque or that temple? I don't know. Something that I don't know, right? And something that I don't know, again, you, you can feel that it's easy to slip into fear, right? Uh, so if you just go in there once, you know, then the rest of your life when you pass by, you're like, well, I know what it looks like in there. I, I think, you know, I met the rabbi or I met the imam. Um, and he was, you know, he or she, you know, she was a nice rabbi. He was a nice guy, the imam. And that is, um, that's just a very different relationship, right? And it doesn't make you feel like there's this other in the community because there's people like you, right? Um, so that's one thing I do. Uh, another thing I do is I run um, sessions online in particular um, that uh, I call it music, mass, murtis, and more. And I do this presentation, it's about 15 minutes of PowerPoint. And then I use objects in my office because I have probably a hundred religious um, objects and I talk about the objects. But the PowerPoint is actually the 15 minutes it starts it is really important because we talk about what I call the Western lens. And the Western lens is that all of us in the West, uh, regardless of your background, you might be an atheist, it won't matter. Um, we have grown up with a particular way of understanding religion that is um, shaped by Western history. And it causes us, uh, I won't go into all the details right now, but it causes us to misunderstand and um, not see properly religions that didn't grow up in the West. Uh, causes us to not see things like Hinduism and Islam and Judaism and Buddhism. Uh, it distorts the way we see them. And that presentation, like you can feel um, the light bulbs going off for people, uh, both for students and teachers, frankly. Um, students who are, um, you know, white part of the majority, but students who belong to these religious communities too are like, oh, that's right. That is exactly what happens here. And I didn't realize, I felt the discomfort, but I didn't understand why. You know, and the other thing that happens with all this, Jill, is you open a door, right? Because religion right now is in this kind of sealed room. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, And just opening the door, just inviting, you know, a little bit of conversation allows people it's like, it's like releasing a pressure valve, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, somebody who always keeps this part of themselves closed up can, can speak. And other people can go, oh, I, yeah, I guess we can talk about this. Um, and that's, uh, that's a lot of it. It's just starting conversations. If we can talk about often what's most central to each other, we don't have to agree. It's just being able to go, okay, I think I understand you better. And I like your idea, your comment there about we don't have to agree. And in fact, I, I have a presentation that I've I've shared with different um, organizations, usually charity groups that have me in as a as a guest speaker. And you know, I always say it's not about agreement; it's just about understanding and acceptance that this is the way somebody else chooses to live. It's not you know we're not finding out to seek agreement. Um, because if we are, then we're going to get ourselves all upset. Uh, and I realized that too, when I took your um, encounter um, week, both, both times, you know, you mentioned to the group, you know, to sort of take down our, um, our own religious background lens. And for a lot of people in the room, it was like, you know, Christian, uh, Protestant background. Um, and uh, can we just walk into these places uh, with you know, sincere curiosity and not judgment over, I'm going to bring in my baggage and compare and, you know, contrast and see if I can find agreement instead, just go in with curiosity and just, oh, you know, observe and listen and not judge whether their beliefs are right or wrong, but just have a better understanding. 
And what you said about the building is so true. Like so many people, myself included, you know, driving by these buildings that, you know, also architecturally might look different than what we've been used to in the West um, for many generations. And then all of a sudden some, some new architecture that uh, looks uh, foreign and, um, and, you know, a lot of jumping to conclusions can happen uh, where we think, you know, we, you know, we don't know and the fear's there. So we come to some negative conclusions on what happens in those buildings. Uh, but then when we actually enter them and meet some of those people who are very, you know, in our case anyway, every time we went into a building, it was very warm and welcoming. And they just were so glad to see us. And what a difference that makes Then you drive by that building and, hey, I, I've been in there and I know what goes on. And, and if you see a building that's similar, even uh, another place of worship, but similar in another city or location, you can, you know, apply that and go, oh, yes, yes, I know. Um, it, it's interesting because I've been uh, uh, recently working for um, two congregations that have been without a minister and uh, we've been doing some uh, services on Zoom, and I've been booking guest speakers. And I recently had um, a woman who uh, is Muslim, and um, she spoke, you know, about her community and the work she's doing with interfaith work and, and trying to connect um, different groups, and 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 the experience that she's having, where she's educating people and bringing down sort of those walls of ignorance, and what a difference it makes. But even one of the participants afterwards asked me a question privately about, you know, some concerns about. Um, the Muslim um, religion and I realized that you know we still have a ways to go because even after this uh, talk um, there's still some walls up of, of worry about uh, what you know what would happen to if we connected more with this um, Muslim community that's within the same community so yeah still still a ways to go but uh, definitely yeah. definitely helps yeah well you know and we just had in Canada we had um two back-to-back -back summits uh, organized by the federal government, one on, uh, on anti-Semitism uh, in, in here in Dubai and the next day on Islamophobia. And uh, these are real problems. You know, what a lot of Canadians don't know, although we champion, you know, we're the diverse accepting country, hate crimes in Canada have been going up and a lot um, ever since especially 2017. Um, sometimes people have speculated that it was kind of the Trump effect because that was his first year in office. But in 2017, there was an enormous spike in hate crimes in Canada, and it has not gone down. In fact, 2020 was Erwin um, uh, Kotler, one of Canada's most distinguished people, besides being Jewish, who was once Nelson Mandela's lawyer. He's a great human rights guy. Um, he said, you know, in 2020, anti-Semitism in Canada set records for hate crimes. Um, and in 2021, even though we're halfway through the year, we've already passed the record in 2020. Uh, so these things are getting worse. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, there's, um, there's a kind of threefold problem, right? Because on the one hand, as I mentioned earlier, the stats are that we are more diverse than even other kind of diverse countries and becoming more so all the time. So one of the most religiously diverse cities or countries that there is. Two, um, our hate crimes are going up, right? There, we have more and more of these hate crimes, not just the big murders, like there's been, I think, in the first a quarter of this year from January through March. In Alberta, there were seven different attacks on Muslim women, like people kicking, punching them, trying to rip their, their hijabs off, usually racialized Muslim women. Uh, so we, you know, so we have the most, this extremely religiously diverse country, hate crimes are going up. That's number two. And then what's number three? What's our response? And our response is largely um, to kind of 
kind of put our heads in the ground, right? To say, we want to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, that, it's clearly not working, right? So we, we need to change it. We need to change it in our schools. We need to change it nationally. And I think those two summits were, were good for this. Um, and we need to change it in our workplaces and in our communities. And that's also some of the work I do. So that, that you know, I would leave your, your listeners with that triple thing, right? We're becoming the most religiously diverse nation. Hate crimes are going up. And our response is largely to not talk about it. That, that's just not going to work. So what about making it, you know, bring it down even to make it more practical in our homes? Like, what would you suggest for parents in the meantime, you know, especially if religious literacy is not being addressed in schools? What would you suggest parents do? Yeah, uh, there's basically uh, two things you can do. You know, one is um, to reach up. Uh, we learn through, through connection, through human connection, almost more than any other way. So, uh, you know, when there's an event that happens in the news, you know, you can you can send a note to that synagogue or mosque. Uh, sometimes you can donate if a building's been burned or something like that. And then sometimes there's people you can reach out to locally, right? Because when the Muslim family is killed in London, Muslims around the country feel that, right? Many of them do. Um, I talked to a number of Muslim people that I knew afterwards, and some of them were fine, honestly, but some of them were quite shaken because we're all different, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know somebody, reach out you know, a colleague at work, uh, anybody like that, you know, just say, hey, you know, um, I'm really sorry about what happened. I hope I hope you and your family and your community are are feeling all right, right? So reach out, um, talk to, and use it as an, and the second thing is, um, is, is to, and when I say reach out too, you can go visit places. You know, you mentioned there was a vigil, like there were often vigils um, and people came out in Canada from, you know, in various parts of the country. I, I went to the one of my, hometown as well, uh, those things matter. So the first thing I'd say is when you can reach out. And the second thing I would think is, is education. And that's education of yourself and of your kids. Um, so first, don't neglect the education of yourself. You know, see what you can do to learn a bit about these religions. Um, there, is a, there are you know, endless resources out there. Um, Stephen Prothero has a famous book called God is Not One. Um, and it's all the title refers to the fact uh, that there's not one conception of God. And he gives these great individual chapters on different religions. They're like, I don't know, 30 page chapters on Islam, 30 page chapter on Hinduism. And they're kind of standalone. You can read the whole book, but you can just read one religion. Um, there are other books um, in Canada. There's a great book called The Muslima Who Fell to Earth. Muslima is spelled like Muslim. A-H at the end, it means a female Muslim. And literally what the book is, is uh, about, I don't know, 12 or 15 Canadian Muslim women talking about their experience. Uh, really short chapters, like six or seven pages. Here's my experience. And some of them, uh, some of them wear hijabs, some don't. Somewhere there's the woman who wears the niqab who uh, challenged the law under Stephen Harper about having to take it off to swear the oath. Um, there, were, there were Muslim women who were gay in the book. Um, very, you know, uh, often women with advanced degrees. It was like just human life, right? Uh, some who were complaining that the mosque is sexist, like it was really humanizes um, folks in the community. So the first thing I'd say is to think about how to educate yourself. And the second thing, of course, is to think about your kids. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there as well, there are uh, books on that front too. And there are, there are many books. Um, there's, you know, for little kids, there's one called um, Hats of Faith uh, that is like kind of for really young kids, like three or four year olds. 
uh, you know, once you start getting to like eight or nine years old, there's another one called Who Believes What? Um, that is also uh, good at kind of, you know, talk about festivals and worship practices and uh, beliefs of the major religions. And then, uh, you know, as your kids get older, around like 13 or 14, there's another one called Comparative Religion. Um, and that's another, another sort of option. Um, so, you know, there are things, things, and there's resources online too, right? There's all sorts of things. If you go hunting on, on YouTube or through Google, you'll be able to find online resources. Like the BBC has little one pages on, on religions. Um, Harvard, Harvard has something called the Pluralism Project. And you can read these things and, um, you know, there's little summaries that then you can talk to your kids about. And, uh, and the last thing, of course, is to teach your kids to reach out, to say, you know, if there's a Muslim family um, killed, you know, is there a Muslim kid in your class? And how do you think they feel today? And, um, you know, would, would that be scary? And, and just start to create the connection for them. Um, so those are two things. I think about connection, reaching out, and I think about um, education for yourself and for your kids. Right. Yeah. So be compassionate and proactive, you know, compassionate when something does happen in the community and then proactive in educating yourself and your family, uh, particularly if the education system is being, you know, is not covering that. And until until something like that happens, um, it's really crit critical for parents to to take that lead in, in doing something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's great. Well, I'm, I really appreciate your, your perspectives on this. Uh, Brian, I know as a religious educator, you are really making a difference to the groups that you go and speak to or lead um, through different various experiences. And hopefully in uh, 2022, uh, the Encounter World Religions Week will be back in person. Do you anticipate that? I hope so. You know, uh, this COVID thing has made looking forward always so difficult. Um, but yeah, and if folks are interested, they can, um, I have a blog I write every week at religionsgeek.com. Um, and uh, as well with the blog, I also announce events there. And I do hope, sometimes I've had online classes, um, but as well, I do hope to do kind of the in-person thing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, my, my goal is to hold it, but uh, we live in this world where long-term planning is, uh, you know, <laughs> it's out of our control. Yeah, it's a little challenging, but that but that is the goal. But in the meantime, yes. I mean, the good news is you've moved a lot more stuff online uh, through COVID and it making us all realize how much we can still benefit, uh, even if we can't you know, have the experience of going in that building or, or that temple or synagogue, um, we can still uh, have huge epiphanies and realizations just through what you teach online as well. So um, that's been been. Uh, very uh, excellent. I know um, Brian just f finished up a was it seven Tuesday nights, uh, Brian, of um, you know different talks on um, history and, and world religions. I've been listening to the the episodes multiple times as I've been you know driving road trips, um, uh, staining my deck, uh, cutting my lawn, uh, <laughs> got my my earbuds in and and uh, listening away. And um, again. Uh, really helpful to to understand even my own um sort of religious history as well as you tackled various topics there so um and understanding you know some of the things that happen even within our own culture that we may not realize uh and just having that that information is so um enlightening to just everyday uh, experiences so i really appreciate everything that that you're doing brian 
Thanks, Joe. I, uh, I enjoy teaching this. The world's religions is like this deep dive into, into humanity, into our practices and our beliefs and our festivals and the way we handle grief and trauma and the way we celebrate. And it's, um, you know, the other thing I would say to your listeners is religious literacy won't be a burden to you. It's like this great exploration. Uh, you get to travel through history and across the globe um, and explore explore all of the people that are occupying it. it it's honestly, it's endlessly fun and you're never done. There's always more. So, uh, you know, if the, if it interests some of you who are listening, you know, welcome to the party. It's, it's, it's really, um, you'll find it really enriching. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for joining us. And um, I, I really appreciate uh, your perspective on, on this topic. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for having me. Great. for support in finding ways to bring more peace into your life as a parent and be sure to reach out to me at jillmcpherson.com. I offer two parenting workshops, one for parents of younger children and one for parents with tweens and teens. These workshops each run for four weeks each month so be sure to check out them on my website to see when the next series is starting. I also run something called the Peaceful Parenting Program. This is a monthly commitment for the price of one, uh, one one-to-one session, you can get the benefit of four one-hour gatherings where I review parenting skills and then open the session up to anyone to ask a question. I'm also available for one-to-one sessions as well. You can book a session directly on my website or message me through my contact page. And don't hesitate to ask me any questions on my Facebook group, Awaken Parenting. When you join the group and ask questions, other parents will benefit from your question. And if you have any suggestions for my next parenting podcast, please be sure to let me know at jillmcpherson.com. Until then, this is Jill McPherson inviting you to join me in awakening to a more peaceful way to parent on Awaken Parenting.